Welcome to our podcast. So what do you think? The podcast where we chat about the Bible from Genesis to Revelation with friends, family, and loved ones. We laugh. This is the labor where they wash up. Then we wash, wash up. <laughs> I'm from Missouri, so y'all leave me yeah, alone. She's from Missouri. She really needs wash. I'm learning more and more how little I know. <laughs> they Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing. I can't do this. We do impressions. Hello. <laughs> I'm Bob the Tomato. <laughs> Hi, this is Chang's Chinese restaurant. We get a little silly. Jericho, Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. I feel, I have a hard time with condom, condomate, con... <laughs> Not condiments, she loves ketchup and mayonnaise. So, in genesis... Genesis. That's our southern accent coming in there, folk. I'm just a little black <laughs> A little serious. My spirit, Bubba, what if I give you what you deserve? And a lot grateful. When you feel that, you know, where is God? Well, well, that's him. That's him showing his love. Yes, he's got he's got all these people loving on you. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah, and yeah like, I love that. As we ask and answer questions about the Bible, faith, God, and everything in between... Welcome to So What Do You Think? Take a load off, get comfy, and stay a while. Hey everyone, this is Robert. I'm here this week. Missy's not a, not available. She is not feeling well, so I am going to be doing us a short, quick podcast, but I want to talk about new beginnings. Um, and then we'll lead into a couple other things just from that standpoint. But I'm going to take most of my scriptures and my thoughts from 2 Corinthians 5.17, which you're welcome to turn to or look up later. The scripture says, therefore, any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if we're talking about becoming new, what are, what's the standpoint from 2 Corinthians that we're talking about? We're talking about becoming new in Christ. You can, each year, we all get together and we do our exercise promises and our we're going to lose weight promises and we're going to go to church promises. And yes, there's sarcasm in my tone, but I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I also do those same things where I make promises and I don't always follow through. Usually by March, we're moved on to something else. But this, um, and, and you know, a lot of that's just based on the fact that we're trying to do it under our own strength our own will, and as human beings, we're made basically to really want to kind of move on anyway. We don't like staying stuck in one place as much as people say, I don't like change. God has actually made us and created us for change. Uh, and he's, um, he's a God that doesn't change, but he created us to change. And through that kind of a simple idea, he really has created us to change so that we would trust him because we know he never changes. So let's go back to the idea of a new year, a new start, but with an old me. So what do I mean by that? Well, if, if we're living a life that's not spirit-filled, in other words, Christ indwells us through regeneration, and he, through our acceptance of him and his role as a, our Savior, then we can be regenerated, we can be actually made new, and we can, as my second point is, we can begin again. So when it comes to the things that we're talking about, when it comes to starting over, whether it's um, most of it becomes more about 
inside, going from uh, changing from the inside out. So we become new on the inside because Christ lives in us. He sacrificed himself for us. He died on the cross. He rose again. And in that, uh, he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. And when you feel, look at that in the book of Acts, he actually did that in the physical, not the spiritual, of course, but in the physical. So I'll let you follow that rabbit hole at some point. The, um, the idea is that he did that so that he could send us the helper. The helper, of course, is the third person of the Trinity, which is we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes back here, and he gives us a chance to begin again. He gives us a chance to become new. He gives us a chance to be born again so that we were, yes, once physically born, but now we're looking at this is a spiritual rebirth. We look at the chance, we get the opportunity because of being born a human being and having a sin nature, we do not have a relationship with God. But because of who he is and what he did, as I just described, we're able to come and become part of that sacrifice, part of his death on the cross and his resurrection. And then we come back to life. I know this sounds like a lot, but this is really the crux of who we are as believers. If you don't understand this and you're living your life from the outside, from the world inside, then you need to look at it and look at it from a new perspective that you want to live from the inside out because God can change that. God can make you new. God can give you that opportunity to begin again. If you've accepted him and you are living so that he's living inside you and living through you, then you can change. You don't have to be who you've always been. You can be who he wants you to be and maybe be a better version of yourself. And quite frankly, we're talking about something, um, a step that you have to take as a believer or as a non-believer. You know, I don't want to draw that line and say it's not, it's for one and not the other because it's pretty much for all of us. The idea is that uh, this is about repentance. This is about when we as believers give our lives over to Christ, then we repent. Now, this is different than being sorry. Because as believers or non-believers, you can be, I, I'm sorry for that. In other words, you can feel regret. You can feel guilt. Those things can put you in a position where you want to apologize or you even feel sorry inside for what you've done. That's not the same as what we're talking about when it comes to repentance and regeneration. Because what you're talking about is you're talking, when it comes to repentance, we're talking about turning around. The word literally in of Greek means to go from one direction to the other. So you may be in, in your life walking west for your entire life, and then God comes into your life, he changes you, and you start walking east. That's what it means. It means to change who you are inside so that you can repent of who you who you are, and you can now become who he wants you to be. So that God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you and lives through you. He says to you, this is who you were. This is the old you, but I want to make you new. I wanted you to start over. This is about the old you going away and the new you coming in through him. So that he's the sacrifice he's already paid for, he's giving you that opportunity to come alive. You don't have to be dead. You don't have to live in your own old habits and your old self, because that old self has been buried with Jesus in the grave and rose again with him. 
to new life. So it's there's a there's actually a story in the in the the scriptures that talks about this somewhat. And what what um, I, I believe, um, and I honestly don't have it in front of me as to where it's at. But what it talks about, it talks about old new wine skins versus old wine skins. Now what they did in the uh, you know, biblical days is they would, when they would get a fresh batch of wine, they would put it into uh, new wineskins so that it could be, you know, used to and distribute and drink and that kind of stuff. But what would happen sometimes is um, someone would put the newer wine or the wine just in particular and put it into an old wineskin. And what those things, what they did was they would get old and just like anything else, they'd just crack and they would end up with holes in them. So you can imagine what happens. Well, when you're, when you've accepted Christ and when you've got God living inside of you, but you're trying to live the old wineskin way, you just, it doesn't work because you're trying to live your old way while God's inside you saying, no, I want you to be with me. I want you to be new. I want you to change. I want you to grow. I want you to become more like me. He sacrificed. He died. He rose. And he's given us an opportunity to be just like him. Let that sink in. How do we do that? You think of it, how are how can I be like Jesus? By accepting who he is in you, then his Holy Spirit can live through you. His righteousness is given to you. So you can become new. In fact, by accepting him and becoming regenerated and repenting, you do become righteous. It's not something that is, uh, it, it almost goes from the, the word righteous verb the, uh, a verb righteous to the word righteous as a noun. You now have become instead of what you're doing. Is that, hopefully that makes sense because that's a lot of what we're talking about here. We're talking about changing who we are from the inside out so that we become like him, so that we become righteous, so that we can see him in all things, so that we can become new because that's what we're talking about is becoming new. You can make all the promises you want in January. You can say, I'm going to keep this and I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to go to church. But all those things cannot work. You cannot do those things without the help of the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, and of course, I'm probably going to get some backlash about the Holy Spirit helping us lose weight, but that's not really what I mean. I'm speaking more from the idea of becoming the, a new you, a new me, is about surrendering to Him and let Him live through us. So stop what you're doing. Think about Him. And then hear what I've got to say right here, because there's a lot of folks here who have never accepted Him that may be, may be listening to us. There's some who might have accepted who Christ is, but haven't gone the direction that God wants them to. And there's some who may not understand what redeemed really means. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Redemption is about is not about, because um, I guess from a religious perspective, people say, well, you, you know, you're a good person. Um, and from a religious perspective, oh, well, he's a bad person. Um, and from a redemptive perspective, guess what? They're the same. Good and bad in the eyes of God are, you know, come to a point where they're not really relative. And I, I say that, I don't say it lightly because there's a lot of people who say, oh, well, what's the point in being good? With the Holy Spirit living us, he compels us to do good. 
he con- he's our conscience that tells us to to do good, to be better, and really it comes down to being about love. Uh, but in the redemptive state, in a talking when you talk about redemption, being a good person is the same as being a bad person, because it's about Jesus. It's about His sacrifice, His death. His resurrection and our acceptance of that and Him coming to live inside of us. There is nothing as a good person that you can do, that you can do to make get yourself into heaven. There is no nothing as a good person that you can do pre, pre-accepting Christ. There's nothing you can do as a good person to make Him love you anymore. There's nothing as a bad person that you can do that will make Him love you any differently. The only way that that happens is through redemption, is through his free gift that he gives us. Again, his life, his death, his resurrection, his Holy Spirit coming to live inside of us, that is his redemptive state. That's where you, when God comes to live inside of you, he wants to live through you. That's when good and bad doesn't matter. It becomes about him. He saves us because he did all the work. It doesn't matter how good you are, and it doesn't matter how bad you are. It's about his redemptive state on the cross. I know I'm sounding repetitive, but I, I want to get this, this part across. It's hard to understand because we have, live in a world where we want people to be good. And through that goodness, we want them to be good to each other. We want them to, to like each other, to be nice to each other. And we do want that, of course. Uh, and when we look at people, we say, oh, they're bad people. They're just, you know, horrible people. Why, why was, are they here? Why this, that, and there? But in the idea of sin, it's the same because salvation isn't about what you do. It's about who you are, and it's about who we accept, which is Jesus Christ into our hearts to know and love him and let him live through us. That's what it's about. It's not being a better person. It's not being a worse person. It's just about him. When he lives inside of us, he compels us to be more like him, and he is always about love. No matter the circumstance, he's always about love. Uh, probably some of you know the story of, uh, and I'm going to tell a couple of things here, but you know the story of Jonah. You probably read it in Scripture. Uh, you probably read about uh, Jonah, and of course we call it, uh, a lot of the fairy tales call it the whale, but uh, in Scripture, of course, it's Jonah and the big fish. We see Jonah as a, a prophet, Especially toward the beginning, and when Jonah's as the prophet gets ready to uh, uh, to do for God, God says, "Well, you know what I want you to do? I want you to go to Nineveh." Well, Nineveh was a horrible place. The people there, the king, the soldiers, they would capture people, they would skin them alive, they would do just horrible pe- things to people of other countries, and they did this because they were just horrible people. And Jonah said, "Nope, they're horrible people." I am not going to go to them and because I, I know you, God. And if I go to them then and they repent, you're going to forgive them. And he said, I don't want that because I've watched what they've done over there. They're horrible people. They kill, they maim, they murder. Uh, one of the stories is that uh, the uh, soldiers would take families and march them down the street with the heads of their uh, enemies um, I'm sorry, of their family members. So he'd take families and they would have to, the, whoever the head of the family was, they would t- cut off his head, put it on a pole and make the family members march down the street with the head on the pole. It's just horrific stuff. 
So what did Jonah do? Jonah, of course, ran. He ended up in the belly of the fish for three days, which is a foreshadowing of Christ. Uh, Look that up. It's really good information. But Jonah ran. But you know what he ultimately did? God compelled him to go to Nineveh. He went to these absolutely horrible people that we would look at and say, I know, yo, just let them die and go to hell. We don't want these people around us in heaven. What is wrong with you, God? But Jonah went. And guess what he did? He preached from one end of the city to the other, which um, there was talk of the fact that it'd take three days to walk from one end to the other. So instead of standing uh, around on the outside and yelling up at the, the walls, Jonah actually kind of walked through and preached. You can read the story. Go to the book of Jonah. I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time that the book of Jonah was written by Jonah. So if you want to know what the uh, um, you know the outcome is, you pretty much know because, well, he wrote the book of Jonah. <clears throat> so he goes through Nineveh and he preaches to these horrible people. Murder. There was even another story of where they would take and some of their uh, people that they would attack, they would they would overrun a country, they would take all the prisoners and then they would skin them alive and put the skins on the walls and leave their entrails right below them. Can you believe this kind of stuff? I can't. I mean, it's just horrible stuff. But God sent uh, Noah, uh, uh, sent Jonah to Nineveh and said, we're going to give him another chance, Jonah. Get out of that fish and go where I tell you. So Jonah did. He went. He preached. Guess what happened? They turned. Just like he knew they would, they turned. Now, needless to say, it didn't make Jonah very happy because he was not a very happy prophet. But he did what he was told to do. The people of Nineveh repented. And God forgave them. Now, I've got to tell you, if that's not a redemptive story, I don't know what is. But here's another one. You ready? You're not going to like this one either because I didn't particularly like it. But there's this guy that probably all of us have read about at some time or another that he, um, he was a horrible human being. He was sick and disturbed beyond belief. And what he did was he would, uh, it was 10 or 11, maybe 12 young men that he murdered. He lured them into his apartment, his home. He murdered them, and then he ate them. He was a cannibal. Y'all, everybody knows the name of Jeffrey Dahmer. At some time or another, you probably heard it and are shocked by the stuff that you hear and you read. Jeffrey Dahmer. I know you're wondering, what in the world is he doing talking about Jeffrey Dahmer on this podcast? Well, because Jeffrey Dahmer did some absolutely horrendous stuff, again, including cannibalism. And he didn't do it to just one or two. He did it to to many. And then he sat in the courtroom with this smug look on his face like it didn't mean anything to him. And then he went to jail. And we're all... Anybody who saw any of that was like, okay, well, good. He's going to hell where he belongs. This is, uh, this is justice. You know what God did instead? And some of you may know this. Some of you don't. But while in jail, Jeffrey Dahmer accepted Christ. Jeffrey Dahmer started going to church services. Jeffrey Dahmer started preaching Christ to those around him. And 
I have yet to find one person who wrote or uh, talked about that that time who said, nope, it wasn't real. This was fake. But he was, of course, you may know or may not know, Jeffrey Dahmer was murdered in prison. So guess what? We're going to get to see him. Yep, we'll get to see him again. We'll see him in heaven. Horrendous. Cleaned. You know what Jeffrey Dahmer was that day? He was a new creation. He was a new creature. He was redeemed. He was saved by the same promises that we are. He had repented. He was sorry. He turned his life over to Christ, who died and rose again. And then through that promise came to live in his heart. True story. Couldn't make that kind of stuff up. Jeffrey Dahmer got to begin again. He got his new start. He got rid of his old self. Really some kind of story to hear. But you know what? We're not all as bad as he is. I've never murdered anyone, at least not with a weapon, probably with my mouth or my heart, but I did not do the horrible things that he did. And you probably haven't either, hopefully. If you have this, give me a call. Uh, But that doesn't really matter because it's really not about the single behavior or the horrendous behavior or the minor behavior, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. This is not really about being good or bad. This is about change from the inside out. This is about being redeemed so that you're, you're, um, you're changed from with God inside you. That he can, he lives in, he wants to live inside of you and he wants to be a part of who you are. Um, so, With that being said, you have the same opportunity that all the others that I just talked about. You have the opportunity to uh, turn your life over. If you've already done that, then I'm going to ask you here to talk to God about being more active in you. You You have to learn to be, to live inside, not outside. Don't let the world around you change who God is in you. Hey, that's pretty good. Somebody should write that down. But anyway, so you have the same chance. So I'm going to give you the opportunity right here is that we're going to pray a prayer, and you're going to have the opportunity to make that same acceptance, to turn your life over to the Creator, to become a new you, a new self. And by doing that, actually, you don't really become a new you, become a new Him. Uh, one of my favorite scriptures, most of you have probably heard me say, is Galatians 2.20. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God. Meaning that by accepting Him, it is no longer I that live, but Him that lives through me. And that it's that love that projects through me. So here's your chance. Don't pass it up. When you get there, you won't don't want God to look at you and say, hey, you had your chance. Robert prayed that prayer that day. And if you have doubts, don't worry about that. Pray this, pray this prayer. Uh, look in, inward for him to come into you, for him to, to know you and for you to know him. Um, and just let him love you. So here we go. You ready? Here's the prayer. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. 
I have sinned against you and been at war with you. I repent from that sin. I repent from that war. And I ask you to come live inside me. I ask you to change me. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, let us know. You can shoot us an email or you can just uh, just get a hold of us and uh, let us know that, uh, that you prayed that prayer so we can pray for you. If you've got any other prayers, let us know because, like I say, there's a lot of folks sick right now. And uh, we love you and hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Are you interested in listening to more episodes? Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart, and Spotify. Do you have a question you'd like us to chat about? Email us at swduthink at gmail.com. We have new episodes every Monday. See you next time.